The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Jesus, Mary Joseph. I'm virtually certain that it is. Maybe we could say it was a funny drug reaction to the flu. Who's got the story? Hey, don't you want to know if it's true? What difference does it make if it's true? It's a story and it breaks, they're going to have to run with it. Anyway, anyway. How long we got till it breaks? Front page, Washington Post tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah, now that's not good. Okay. Where is he? China. Okay, when does he do back? Well, they're set to leave uh, pretty soon. Uh, yeah, well, all right, he stays on the ground in China at least another day. Why? At least. You the press office? Yes. Earn your money. He's ill. The plane is sick. Good. When do we bring him back? I'm going to need a day, at least a day. He's sick. Get that out right now. Get him on the phone and tell the jackals how sick he is. We got to get that out before the story breaks so we aren't, quote, responding to it. Mm. Issue it as a bullet and he's got some rare strain. Won't hold. Uh, I, I need a day. I need some running time. It won't even hold the day, Connie. Yes, it will. You know why? I'll tell you why. Why is the president in China? Uh, trade relations. You're goddamn right. And it's got nothing to do with the B-3 bomber. There is no B-3 bomber. I just said that. There is no B-3 bomber, and I don't know why these rumors get started. All right, who's going to take the press conference today? Is there a press conference today? Well, what do you think? Whoever's leaking that stuff to that geek at the Post lets it slip. Jeez, I hope this won't screw up the B-3 program. What B-3 program, and why should it screw it up? Well, if the president decides to deploy the B-3 before it's fully tested, deploy the B-3 before it's fully tested? Yeah. Why? Why the crisis? What crisis? Well, I'm working on that. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, February the 3rd, 2022. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Well, Robert, the pure lies and propaganda that the world citizens have had to endure from their governments over the past three years and more seem to have taken their toll. And if something has really attracted the world attention over this past week or so, it is the truck convoy going to Ottawa that has really put Canada on the map in a way that it has never been put on the map before. I understand that this convoy is breaking all kinds of records, and it's going to be very interesting to see where this is going to end up. You know, the good news is that perhaps a few more Canadians may be woken up about Canada's tyranny, and I think another good piece of news is that it's very clear a significant number of Canadians are awake, as witnessed by this incredible world record-breaking convoy, and, and watching the thousands of people from coast to coast cheering them on along the highway. And as I understand it, this has inspired the world to react in a similar fashion. But I don't think for a moment that Canada's current federal or provincial governments will do anything to change course, even if they promised to do so. And on top of that, the bad news is that a possible significant majority of Canada's citizens are so brainwashed by the propaganda and fake news and fake science and fake medicine and fake politicians and continue to have no clue Literally, whatever's going on. And they think this is all about some kind of virus. Well, we'll take a look at the whole issue of individual freedom and how the media is covering it in the country and why the trucker's convoy is a world record-setting historical event, irrespective 
of whether things get worse or better. And before we begin, don't forget to write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Well, what do you think, Robert? There's a lot of happy people these days on our side of the polarity, let us say, watching this event and seeing it as a great victory of sorts. Is that something you would share? Um, Yes, of sorts. Um, Protests rarely change anything, and I said that on the last show that I was uh, co-hosting with you. And um, history backs that up. I asked Salim Mansur about when has a protest ever changed a government? And quite quickly, he actually said uh, Iran, 1979, when the uh, protests against that despot, and he was a, a despot, pressured him into resigning. Now, that's almost not what I asked, because, I, because the government stayed the same, as a matter of fact. Um, there was a puppet sort of government that the Shah put in place, uh, somewhat democratic, while he um, went into exile into the United States. And it lasted for a couple of weeks while the pressure mounted by the protesters to have Ayatollah Khomeini come in and create a a theocratic dictatorship. So sometimes you get what you ask for, sometimes you get something worse. But my my, um, analysis still stands. I don't think protests have ever changed anything. Governments change because the people with the guns make them change. If we're talking a revolution, they're either the armies or the secret police, targeted assassinations by the, um, uh, the inner circle, or by the police forces themselves. The people with the guns have historically made the changes, not the people on the street. And, and to back that up, think of the last two years when absolutely millions upon millions of people, especially in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, United States to a lesser degree because they have some they have a federalist system down there where they're able to uh, have some sort of freedom but all of these millions upon millions of tens of millions of people demonstrating um, in in France they actually uh, sprayed manure into the residence of Macron (laughs) nothing nothing changed they doubled down people have to remember that these rulers are tyrants they are psychopaths They actually love to see destruction. That is their raison d'etre, to destroy. It is not to create. They are not creators. They are not producers. They are psychopathic destroyers. And if anything, the last two years teaches people, and on your last show, Dr. Hodgkinson made this point that COVID may have a silver lining, and that is people are beginning to wake up to just how despicable these leaders can be. But they have to understand that if anything changes, they have to make it seem that it was their idea. That whatever they did saved us. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. Now back to the protest. Is it a good thing? Yes, it's a good thing. Protests serve a couple of functions. First of all, for the leaders and the people involved, they're networking, which helps create a base for political change. 
Secondly, it gives people an outlet to show their rage against the tyrants. And people need this outlet. And you can see how happy people were in Ottawa in minus 30 degree weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, having a celebration. So that's good. That's a good aspect of it. The negative aspect is that it could actually give people that cathartic release so that then they sit back on their laurels and think that, okay, I did something. I actually went to Ottawa and protested. Nothing changed, but at least I did that. So then... Well, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting point because that's a particular disease of the right. I have watched the people is. on the right just stop being politically active at every little step where they had a small victory. Yep. And they, th they thought the war was over and they barely took a step on the battle. All through my life. I mean, when Mike Harris got elected in Ontario, who everybody thought was a real right-winger and free marketer, <laughs> the right just stopped. Everything stopped, except for guys like us, the, the handful. But everybody else, oh yeah, we won the war, and where did they win? They just went, kept on going left and left and left. And, yes. and, yep. and it's just an amazing phenomenon to see. So the right really needs to wake up in a way that they understand what it means when we talk about eternal vigilance. The thing about the right that distinguishes them from the left is that they have no clear idea of what they are championing. They have a nebulous idea of what freedom means, okay? When a particular freedom is attacked, they may rally around and try to defeat that authority, right, against that freedom. But they'd have very little idea of what it means to be an individualist, what individual rights mean, the fact that it's a moral philosophy. In other words, um, yeah. to have a right means that you are in the moral right and they have never really uh, championed that aspect of individual rights. For them, it's, um, oh, you're doing too much too quickly. Or now's not the time to be doing that. You know, or we could make that socialism a little more efficient. That's what the right wing has been in the West um, for as long as I can remember until recently. Until recently, when you have people over in England like a, a Nigel Farage or here in Canada like a Maxime Bernier, they get it. They're starting to really understand what it means to have a government function to protect one's individual rights on a moral level. Conservatives, forget them. And by that, I mean capital C conservatives. Because I can say the same thing for capital L liberals. Small L liberals, small L C conservatives, you know, they have a, a muddling understanding of what it means to be free for themselves on a particular issue, but not in a global sense. You might apply that to capital L libertarians. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> capital L libertarians is capital A anarchists. That's just yeah. a mixed bag. That's just a big tent. We've covered libertarianism before. It's a big yeah. tent of anything from anarcho-capitalism to minimalist government to total anarchy. It, it's, it's, it's a non-term, especially in Canada. In the United States, uh, maybe to a lesser degree, but in Canada, total anarchy. Yeah. Uh, and so when we see, for example, the Conservative Party in Canada, who is the official opposition, walk in lockstep with almost absolutely everything that the Trudeau tyrant has imposed upon us, then you know you're doomed. I look at the latest poll, and I would direct people to 338canada.com, which I find to be the most accurate 
poll aggregator in Canada. They're very accurate in predicting elections and today's results show 32.4% in favor of the Liberals, followed well. by 31.1% for the uh, PCs. Now Maxime Bernier has gone up a bit to 6%, plus or minus 2.1%. But still, the vast majority of Canadians out there, vast majority, are all socialists. They have zero idea of what it means to have individual rights and how to properly defend them. So this will not, this truckers protest, as much as I love the idea, I really do. Unfortunately, you're not going to see a change. As a matter of fact, what it's done, <laughs> what it's done is given you and I some real good grist for our mill, some fodder to, uh, to get our teeth into, so to speak when it comes to the reactions of the mainstream media, the, the conservative opposition, and our dear leader, Trudeau. And that is that, what happened to Trudeau? Oh, I've been told that my son has tested positive for COVID, therefore I'm going to be isolating. Even though I'm triple vaxxed and I had a negative rapid test, I'm going to go in hiding for my own safety. And then the truckers come along and now the media is saying that he's going into hiding because this is another, ooh, January 6th insurrection, just like in the United States, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so what does he do? He goes to Quebec to uh, talk to the uh, mosque there on the anniversary of the shooting of the mosque people um, in Quebec City. So, you know, he has his priorities and it's not uh, doing what's right for the people of the country especially when it comes to the individual rights, it's making sure that he follows the polls. And the polls show he's leading, but with his tyranny, because people love security. People are being spoon-fed by the media. And just look at the media. One example, uh, there was one video I saw, uh, they were outside of London, Ontario, uh, lined up on the highway, the 401. There had to be, by my estimation, and I've got a, a fair idea of what a crowd looks like, anywhere from five to 700 people on one side of the highway there by the Flying J. And so a guy was saying, hey, look, everybody, there's the CBC reporter with his cameraman. Now, look where he's positioning himself. And he's saying this right, right by the CBC reporter, right? Putting him on the camera. Look where he's stationing, right? There's a lineup about a kilometer long of five to 700 people. He goes to the very end of the line with about 10 people in front of his camera, pointing towards the empty highway and those 10 people. And what, what is the news story going to say? Oh, a few white supremacists came out to encourage the uh, white supremacist truckers convoy. And he goes, now follow me, says the uh, citizen reporter. Turns around and he starts walking down the highway, passing hundreds upon hundreds of well-wishers for the truckers. That's our media today. They, the fourth estate in this nation has been totally co-opted and corrupted by the liberal government. They are paid by the liberal government. They're in lockstep with the left-wing ideology. And they are just as much um, responsible for the loss of our freedom in this nation as anybody. Um, Ezra Levant is, is here. This is a very controversial weekend for some, and they have tried to twist this into these truckers being fascist, and I don't even understand how you can make that, unless you're just a country full of boobs, and I know we are, but I thought Canada might be a little better than that. Ezra, how did this play over the weekend? 
It was amazing. I had the pleasure of being down there. It was about minus 22 degrees Celsius, which is as cold as it sounds. Um, Holy cow, did that normally that would just stop any public protest, but it was packed. I, when I pulled into Ottawa, it was like I was at a city that won just the Stanley, Stanley cup playoffs or something. It was jubilant. It was festive. There were people on the streets, honking horns, waving flags, literally spontaneously singing the Canadian anthem. So far from being negative fascists, these were democratic, patriotic, peace-loving, unity-focused Canadians. Truckers from across Canada protesting Justin Trudeau's, not just his vaccine mandate on truckers, but all government mandates. Basically, the last line of freedom in Canada is being defended by the truckers of Canada. They have been driving in a convoy from west to east, from east to Ottawa. They've been driving in a convoy to Ottawa, and they have, I I would say, besieging Ottawa, they've been besieging Ottawa, except it's been the most passive, festive, beautiful besieging of Ottawa that you can imagine. They've driven their trucks to Ottawa to protest the rampant two-year government overreach in terms of the government of Canada's response to the COVID pandemic. They said enough is enough, and they've driven their trucks in a convoy in what is arguably, unless you trust fake news fact checks, the biggest convoy in the history of the world from the West Coast to Ottawa, joining in from the East Coast, support internationally. It's been a beautiful thing. They're in Ottawa now, and um, the news is maligning these protesters as extremists, violent, hateful. Uh, I think some media was actually suggesting that this might be motivated and sponsored by the Russians, as if the Canadian media just sits there playing off the playbook of the US media implying that this is Canada's January 6th, implying that the Russians are fomenting discord in Canada by support. It's nuts. It's nuts. Well, Robert, what you had to say about the media was absolutely true. And, you know, I I think of them more as the mainstream media than I do as the mainstream media, because this is the way they look at everything. had an example here. This is from just a couple days ago, January 28th in the London Free Press, although it was a National Post article, by Tristan Hopper, okay? And the headline reads, What Truckers Want and Why Ottawa Can't Give It to Them. And, of course, the thing they want is freedom of choice. That's in the subheader, so Ottawa can't give them that. But it's interesting that what the writer says, Tristan Hopper, it was a long article, so I'm just going to focus on some of the key points, right? And he says... It's a message resonating with thousands of Canadians, but the proposals remain so broadly unpopular and so technically unworkable, given how the truckers are proposing to go about it, that many in Ottawa would likely face political suicide for even considering it. And I think he's just basically summarized there what you were just saying before the break, that the Canadian government's not going to move on this at all, right? The lion's share of Canadian COVID structures remain a provincial responsibility, he says. And pushback would be inevitable if Ottawa were to attempt to steamroll provincial mandates. But in recent weeks, Quebec Premier 
François Legault has turned his province into one of the most locked-down jurisdictions in North America. Quebec was also one of the first in the free world to consider a form of mandatory vaccination. For all this, Legault has become one of the country's most popular politicians, according to a recent analysis by Angus Reid, with a 55% approval rating. Legault is also currently Canada's most popular provincial leader, barring only Nova Scotia's Tim Houston. Oh, and then comes the smear about what the whole convoy is about. The group's website sets out a framework to effectively dissolve the federal government in favor of a Citizens of Canada committee composed of a Senate, the Governor-General, and whoever else the Canada Unity selects. And then the committee of entirely unelected figures would then, quote, instruct all levels of the federal, provincial, territorial, and municipal governments to immediately cease and desist all unconstitutional human rights, discriminatory, and segregated actions, end quote. And then he writes, if enacted, this would represent an unprecedented dissolution of the federal system and put an abrupt end to 155 years of continuous parliamentary rule, a record that happens to rank us as one of the world's oldest democracies. There's also good evidence to show that the truckers' demands would be broadly unpopular among the mainstream of Canadian voters. Rightly or wrongly, tightening the screws on the unvaccinated is one of the most popular political issues currently in Canada today. In November, an Angus Reid poll found that 70% of respondents favored seeing unvaccinated people lose their jobs. An Ipsos poll for this week found that at least 52% of respondents didn't think unemployment was punishment enough. End quote. So you get the general idea, mm-hmm. right? This is, wh- this is what all the truckers are up against. Protests don't work, etc., etc. Do you still th- do you still think there's nothing particularly unique about this one, given its size and given its scope and the attention this one has gotten from around the world, unlike any others so far? Oh, it's totally unique, for the reasons you just mentioned, for the size. People are saying it's unique because, oh, those mild-mannered Canadians, boy, they look upset now. <laughs> you know, it's something unusual for our country to see that kind of large protest in favor of freedom. We've seen protests before. I've seen Sikhs uh, disrupt traffic on the Gardner Expressway, you know, and of course uh, everybody lets them do it until they get tired and go home. We've seen Black Lives Matter destroy statues and cause mayhem. We've seen Black Bloc Antifa G20 protesters setting cop cars on fire in downtown Toronto while the police stand by and look at them. And they throw bricks through Starbucks windows. The police are standing right there and don't do a darn thing. But, yeah. you know, what happens with this? When you get uh, upwards of 30,000 people on the front lawn of the parliament building, which, by the way, the front lawn is shut down now for years, I understand, while they do some sort of renovation to it. But anyway, that number of about 30,000, I think, came from the Ontario Provincial Police. So, now this is the same police, by the way, who blockaded um, Highway 17, which is the Trans-Canada Highway. There's, there's two routes coming from the west that go to Ottawa. The northern route, which goes up into <laughs> absolute wilderness, and the southern route, which goes down towards more Toronto areas, the 17. And they just said, oh, 
there's nasty weather coming, so we're going to close it. And there was really no nasty weather there. Uh, people went and took pictures of it and going, there's nothing wrong with this highway. We should be on it. But they closed the highway. And, of course, Trudeau had the bridge going into Ottawa closed. And um, some uh, left-wing protesters threw nails on the road to try to deter the truckers. You know, and, of course, even the media are out there saying that they're all white supremacists. And uh, some of them are infiltrating the crowd with Nazi flags and a Confederate flag. And there's one uh, video of a person with a Confederate flag and his face is entirely covered up with black glasses, right? Which you don't do. Nobody's up there with dark sunglasses and a balaclava on. People just accosted him and said, look, get out of here. You're a plant. You don't belong here. And they just made sure that he left. Yeah. Because that's what, the, that's what the left does. People have to realize how tenacious and how daring the left are. They have, since 1917, <laughs> the Russian Revolution, you know, infiltrated every single organization you can think of. They have uh, destroyed the minds of our children with the public education system. They have taken over the halls of parliament and um, the Congress in the United States. They have, for decades, made sure that um, Anybody who speaks about freedom is labeled as a white supremacist for some reason. <laughs> Even if you're not, you know, they're calling Salim Mansur a white supremacist, this brown I'll, man I'll tell from you India. why. I've been, I've been saying that from day one. White, the color white is no longer about skin. It's about the philosophy of Western civilization. That's what they're calling white supremacism. That's why people like Candace Owens and, and other people who are not white are being called white supremacists along with everyone else because they believe in the superiority of the Western kind of system of government. That's what, that's what it is. Oh, I understand. And yeah. you're absolutely right. It has become synonymous with Western culture. Yes, right? which is what they're destroying. So, but, you know, you talk about all these people who are surprised at Canadians and, and how Canadians, you know, were usually seen as such a friendly bunch. I don't know about that. I don't I'm know just, about that. You know, I'm, I'm just talking about the actual impression that I've been hearing, which is, by the way, ironic. Ironic, because when Dave Rubin came up to Hamilton, Ontario, um, a couple of years ago, we, you and I were there, I interviewed yep. him. So he yeah, well, just, right, just right covered that whole event. Yes, as a matter of fact, it's sort of almost the official video of the event. If you go to our yep. channel, you'll find it there in its entirety. But anyway, Salim Mansur gave the opening speech, and he was on stage, Maxime Bernier, with um, Frank Vaughn and Dave Rubin. So after the um, presentation, I go up to Dave Rubin, and it's on the video as well, near, near the end. Um, I asked him, you know, what, what do you think of Canada hosting such... There was a thousand people there, by the way. What do you think of Canada? Is this what you Americans think of Canada? I mean, we're, we're talking about a, an organization, the People's Party of Canada, talking about individual rights. And Dave Rubin sort of shoved off the question by saying that, oh, well, you can't judge a country by, you know, what certain people do. Like in the United States, you know, you may think that's free, but we've got a lot of left-wingers and a lot of communists, you know, in Canada. Yeah, I mean, maybe the general impression is that you're all socialists, but... Eh, you know, he sort of just shrugged off the question. And what does he do just the other day? He says, oh, Canada, everybody thinks Canada's mild-mannered and um, they don't protest and all of that. But now you've got the truckers' protest. <laughs> you know? So that's what a lot of people have been saying, too. Uh, commenters from uh, England to Australia to the United States are saying that Canada is not the country that people thought it was. No, no, Canadians are just like anybody else. 
No, the thing is, the Canadians have been left-wing for more than half a century. That just hasn't come out of them yet, because they haven't had such an opportunity. Like, listen to this letter to the editor from January 12th in our London Free Press, and the heading reads, To the Unvaxxed. And it continues, Yeah, you, the one who won't get vaccinated but get sick with COVID and need a bed at a hospital to get better. The heck with all the cancer patients having surgeries postponed or cancelled. I send this letter to remind the unvaxxed, however important you think you are, please stay at home. PJM from London. Can you believe that kind of attitude? Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, when we come back from the bottom of the hour, I've got a few letters from my own local paper, just like that. I know what you mean, and I'll tell you, I I could have read this backwards. To the vaxxed. Yeah, you, the ones who got vaxxed but get sick with COVID and need a bed at the hospital. I could have filled it in exactly the same, and it would have been a much more valid argument. truckers are inspiring. Yes, they are. In a way that I haven't been uh, inspired by anything else, really, since, I suppose, since all of this began. Do you know, when it, when it all kicked off you know, back in 2020, for the, for the very first time in my whole life, I felt there was something wrong about what we were being told. And that that was very that was a unique experience for me because I've never been a, a controversial contrarian person. I've always kept my head down, towed the line, but I knew just somewhere in my gut that the, what we were being told wasn't right, and I held on to that instinct. And when the story began to develop about the truckers in Canada, I felt something very similar. But the flip side of the coin, I felt that what they were doing was absolutely right. I felt that the for the for the longest time, uh, contrary voices, opposition to to lockdown and restrictions and all the rest was being uh, dismissed by by leaders, and it was being brushed under the carpet and ignored by the mainstream media. But for the first time, the efforts of the Canadian truckers were on such a scale that finally it just couldn't be ignored. It was just too grand, and almost begrudgingly even the, the the mainstream media have begun to acknowledge that it was going on uh, and there's something there's something just completely right about the stand because i think what was always required in the face of the the authoritarian behavior of leaders was for just enough people regular people to stand up and say no, and they're they're in Canada, where yeah. they've been under some of the most draconian oh, it's, uh, it's restrictions and, and regulations, really yeah. much like well, much like your homeland of New Zealand. And, yeah, no, it's and bad. that has turned. I think that has that it's been like a ray of sunshine. It's a break in the clouds. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And Robert, you said you had some evidence of how friendly Canadians are in the papers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> how friendly we are, yes. Well, 
If there's anything that we have learned again from this great reset that's been going on for the last couple of years is how hateful the left are and the media are and Trudeau is, and especially Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP. What a piece of work that fella is. More hate comes from that fella than I think anybody in the country. Yeah, but anyway, I've never seen anything like it. Now, we have uh, here in New Brunswick, we have basically it's a one paper province. Uh, the Irving family own all of the papers in this province but one. And that, that one is a small little one in St. Croix owned by a Nova Scotia company. So this is a one-company province, and um, they own all the, uh, the media. So what is their editorial stance about this? Well, you can bloody well guess, since they're paid by the Liberal government to toe the line. So their featured letter on January the 15th, uh, it's in a highlighted blue. It says, Stay unvaccinated at your own risk. And it's written by Thomas M. of St. John. He says, Failure to vaccinate is deliberate and should come with consequences. If an unvaccinated COVID-19 victim arrives in hospital, their care should be postponed instead of postponing the urgent care of vaccinated patients arriving for other reasons. If an unvaccinated COVID patient is occupying a needed intensive care unit bed, they should be yanked to free up space for vaccinated patients suffering from other conditions. You notice he doesn't say suffering from COVID, which they do, <laughs> but other conditions. As for school-aged children, he goes on, they are unable to make their own decisions, but still represent a threat to the greater community as viral incubation chambers. Schools should only be open to children who have been doubly vaccinated. Online schooling no longer will be an option. Enough already, exclamation point. With freedom of choice comes responsibility and consequences. Boy, what a threatening, violent, oh, disgusting and, and they, and, point and, and, of and view. And they all say that. People have to remember as well that a newspaper selects the letters that they print. And every letter into this particular newspaper was against the unvaxxed, against freedom of choice, against freedom. I'm sure there had to have been letters there on the contrary side, but they don't print them because, of course, they are paid by the liberal government not to. And it's funny, this particular letter, at the top of the page, they have a quote from Adam Smith Little else is requisite to carry a state to the highest degree of opulence from the lowest barbarism but peace, easy taxes, and a tolerable administration of justice, all the rest being brought about by the natural course of things. How ironic that they would put that quote at the top of their opinion page and then put this vile trash as of their featured letter. Robert, I have an article here of my own where the person arguing in favor of forced vaccinations is also using right-wing quotes from famous right-wing people to push it on us. You see what, see what this famous person said? See what that famous person said? These people on the right, you should listen to your own people, right? Ah. Your liberals. And, 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 and they don't understand at all they what take those it out people of context, were saying. Yeah. Totally yeah, out of context and, and backwards and upside down. Right. Let me give you another one, Bob. Yep. This one from the same... Paper, same date. Focus on unvaxxed, but don't lock down. This is the actual editorial piece from the Times Journal in New Brunswick. 
all New Brunswickers, vaccinated and unvaccinated alike, now face at least two more weeks of restrictions despite the fact that our predicament is largely due to a small minority who have chosen to remain unvaccinated. This simply isn't fair. Now this goes back, um, I'll just stop reading that for a second to go back to what Jordan Peterson said on the Dave Rubin show. Jordan Peterson said uh, that he got vaccinated because he thought the government would leave him alone. And then he says, well, stupid me. But what does he do? What does he do, a man of integrity and, 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 and wisdom? He then focuses attention on the government for lying to him. What does this um, editorial board of the Irving Papers in New Brunswick do? They still love the government. They love the tyrant. They just blame it on the unvaccinated, people who are normal and chose not to get vaccinated. What a difference. Well, not only that, what you just read was totally false. It's an oh, absolutely yes. utterly false, like just false. It's not true. Well, let me read more from this editorial piece of the uh, Times Journal. Now, with this in mind, quote, the government should not be punishing those who are vaccinated and who have sacrificed so much over the past two years. It should not be denying children access to in-person education, knowing how badly remote learning has affected the most vulnerable students. It should not be denying blah, 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 continues on. When it comes to the anti-vaxxers who helped cause this situation, there they go again with the anti-vaxxer nonsense, and the false situation that they caused it, we say, turn up the heat. Extend vaccine passports, as Premier Blaine Higgs has suggested, and explore health levies to encourage further uptake, as in Quebec. But do not punish the majority yet again, promising that this time, at last, will be the last time they must sacrifice. We understand this is not a decision Premier Higgs reached lightly, and we appreciate the hard work being done by healthcare workers. Gag me and government officials, but uh, New Brunswick risks entering a never-ending cycle of restrictions and openings that will prove ruinous to education, mental health, and the economy. The Higgs government must maintain its commitment to those who are vaccinated and limit COVID restrictions solely to the unvaccinated. They made a promise. It's time to follow through. What hate, what hatred, what evil hatred that they would segregate people who choose not, for their own reasons, whatever they may be, to take this particular jab. By the way, it is not a vaccine. Take this jab, this experimental gene therapy, which has notably killed tens of thousands of people, and they, 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 they blame us for their ills when it's the government that's doing absolutely everything with their rationed health care. Absolute lunacy. Absolute evil lunacy. Yep. Self-evident. And in addition to that, Robert, here, here is one that I found by Tasha Kierd on January 12th in the National Post. And the headline reads, Non-vaxxers must be deterred from harming others. And she writes, What to do about the unvaccinated? With 88% of Canadians over the age of 12 fully vaccinated, the Liberals figure they're pretty safe siding with the crowd that favors the jab. This week, Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos called on provincial governments to consider forced vaccination. Two weeks ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau called the unvaccinated misogynists and racists, but his remarks caused a furor that has yet to subside. Now get this. The sad reality is that there is a subset of the unvaccinated who fit Trudeau's description. Since September, for example, some have been using the hashtag pureblood 
on social media to self-identify as unvaccinated. Can you imagine such a thing, Robert? They used the word pure blood? (gasps) (laughs) And uh, you don't have to scroll far to find tagged images peppered with shots of white supremacy gestures, I don't even know what that is, or MAGA hats. So this woman's still suffering from Trump derangement syndrome and is totally engrossed in a racist narrative. Totally. Totally, totally. And then she gets into, oh yes, the freedom argument. The reality is that we restrict plenty of behaviors where we judge the harm to others. No, you don't. You don't get to judge the harm to others. We don't. The courts do. The harm has to be real. Somebody takes it to a court. We don't just sit around and, and, and do all this preventative stuff. You want to prevent harm to others? Don't ever let anybody walk into a car. Don't ever let them out of the house, right? Of course, that's what they're doing, right? You know, there's the, the old phrase, safety first. Well, yeah. if safety's first, nothing would ever get done. Nothing. You would never leave your home. Ever. Of course. Safety third, I say. That's it. Maybe fourth. <laughs> And she writes, people don't live in a vacuum. A liberal would cite Jean-Jacques Rousseau and social contract, which called for government by popular consent. A conservative would point to Edmund Burke, who rightly observed, men are never in a state of total independence of each other. In other words, there is no freedom without responsibility, no liberty without duty. There's a perfect example of how she's got it completely wrong, how, how it reads. Well, absolutely true. It's out of context. However, I do understand that last statement. And in, in a sense, she's correct. There is a somewhat of a duty to have freedom. That is the duty to respect other people's same rights that you have. Right. But Which she's is not what they're doing. They're, no. they're literally violating that. Yeah. It's using those conservative quotes or those right-wing quotes yeah. um, out of context to, to bolster their own uh, tyrannical positions. And here's the the justification, quote, When it comes to vaccination, we should protect those who understand this truth, the one we just talked about, from those who disdain it. Vaccine passports, restrictions on interaction, and withdrawal of privileges are preferable to calling people names, forcing them to get the shot, or conversely accommodating a choice that puts others in harm's way. Now, I don't know how having people get a vaccine passport doesn't force them to get a shot. (laughs) She doesn't see the contradiction there. Obliging those who opt out of vaccination to pay a penalty, such as the Quebec government is suggesting, is also a possibility. Such measures are not about cajoling or compelling, though if they do result in more vaccinations, that's a good thing. They're meant to protect us all who just want to move on from this once-in-a-century public emergency and get back to living our lives, end quote. What a bunch of crap, Tasha Kierden. A, it's not a vaccine. Have you ever heard of VAERS? The adverse reactions are off the scale. This is a call for fascism. You've ignored the Great Reset, Agenda 21, Agenda 30, which Trudeau himself tied to the pandemic. That's what it's all about. And I just want to say that the sheer intolerance of the so-called pro-vaxxers stands in stark contrast to the 100% tolerance, sympathy, and support that the vaccine-free or vaccine-for-freedom express for them. In political terms, intolerance is the property of the left. Tolerance and freedom and, and choice are solely properties of the right. And that's why all of these conservatives, quote-unquote, calling for lockdowns and vaccination are completely on the left and are even lying about their political identity. Well said. In the U.S., I think, you know, I think they're called rhinos. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Republicans in name only. 
The many trucks that have gathered along Wellington Street in front of the Parliament buildings are adorned with banners denouncing public health measures and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Dozens of truckers are blasting their horns to announce their presence. Sources say that Trudeau and his family have been moved to an undisclosed location. So let's start off with our conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole. So this is some footage from January 24th when he was asked three times on whether or not he supports the convoy 2022. Let's hear what he had to say. Do you support the convoy, its goals, its objectives, even though the Canadian Trucking Alliance says it could be disruptive? And to follow again, repeat Louis' question, will you meet with them when they come to Ottawa? We've been talking to the Canadian Truckers Alliance, Glenn, for several months. You didn't answer my question uh, about uh, yes, whether, I whether did, you, Glenn. you didn't say Vaccines whether you, whether are you, a tool, you didn't say whether you meet with them. And we need you didn't say what, to no, make sure we keep well, store shelves maybe, maybe you can maybe you can answer that's, in, in, that's in response to my next week, question, sir. You can you can you can say whether you meet with them. That's why last week, Glenn. But now that there are unvaccinated truckers rolling into Ottawa, you won't say whether you support them. You won't say whether you will meet with them. So, what should Canadians think about your position? Do you not support the trucking convoy? I support getting as many people vaccinated as possible, including truckers. So what's your message then to truckers who have maybe spent the past month thinking that you kind of have their backs and calling for reasonable accommodations and rapid tests? And again, you still won't answer. Will you meet with them when they come to Ottawa? Do you support their efforts and, and coming all the way here? Um, what's your message to truckers who might be disappointed that you are dodging questions and when you won't say whether you'll meet with them? Well, let me be crystal clear. We've been meeting with the Canadian Trucking Association for... And now let's fast forward a few days to Friday, January 28th. And here's what Aaron O'Toole tweeted. Today, I met with truckers heading to Ottawa. Truckers are our neighbors, our family, and most importantly, they are our fellow Canadians. And another tweet, I support their right, I support their right to be heard. And I call on Justin Trudeau to meet with these hardworking Canadians to hear their concerns. This is seriously extraordinary stuff. You guys know this. Canadians aren't outspoken. When's the last time you were somewhere and it was like, those Canadians won't shut up. You know, when's the last time a Canadian got into a fight? Like you have to push a Canadian really far. There's not a lot of them. They have a huge amount of space. It's kind of chilly up there. Like, you know, they're usually kind of funny, pleasant people. Like they have pushed Canadians far enough, 50 thousand truckers forming this caravan. It's, it's absolutely extraordinary. The amount of people on the roads and it's cold out there. So people out there bringing kids, waving flags. Uh, you know, you may remember that I had Maxime Bernier on the show uh, probably about two years ago. I think I've had him on a few times actually. And I've done some events with him up in Canada and I toured up in Canada with Jordan Peterson. And you know, a lot of libertarian types were coming to our events and they were all always sold out. And uh, Maxime Bernier runs the uh, People's Party of Canada. And although they have not done particularly well in the elections, because Canada really has like a, an even more entrenched conservative liberal two-party duopoly than we do, um, it's clear that they have, that Justin Trudeau and these authoritarian lunatics, they've ignited something. They've ignited the spirit of freedom in Canada. And this is good. And speaking of good, let's talk about bad. Here's Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. We know the way through this pandemic is by getting everyone 
vaccinated. And the overwhelming majority, close to 90% of Canadians, have done exactly that. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Man, what an inauthentic, smug douchebag, really. Well, to continue on with our theme of how nice and gentle and um, willing Canadians are to be so friendly. Here's a letter from a James S. in Dieppe, writing in the uh, Irving papers here in New Brunswick again. Same paper, same date as before. I'll go down to the end of it, last couple of paragraphs. Time to show some spine, Premier Blaine Higgs. The vast majority of the vaccinated population of the province have had enough. Give the unvaccinated 30 days to get the jab or else cancel their Medicare cards until there is proof of vaccination. Please, no more premier nice guy. Big fines would work as well. Give New Brunswick employers the legal right to ask for vaccination proof or go home with no pay until proof is provided. Crack down. Well, thank you, James S. of Dieppe, for that point of view. You're a true Canadian, aren't you? Respecting <laughs> other people's rights. You know, being a nice guy. You want to kill people is with what, you know, if they implemented something like that, people are committing suicide. They're leaving the countries. They're, they're, they're turning against their government and their, their institutions. They are dividing this country like I've never seen happen before. Oh, because we're all so nice here up in Canada, aren't we? Canuckistan is what we are. It's just yeah. absolutely horrible. Well, it just goes to show you how selfish that person is. And they think they're being uh, altruistic and that they're virtue signaling, right? When they're really just telling the world what a creep they are, really. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and, and what, what this tells me, the, the letters that we've been reading, Bob, is just how influential the fourth estate is in perpetuating this hoax and in, in trying to uh, implement the Great Reset where you will own nothing and be happy. And um, they are totally influential. That's why you see the vast majority of people will vote Liberal, Conservative, NDP. Vast majority. I mean, it's not even a close comparison. Now, now, I have a bit of trouble with that because, of course, the majority of people, that's the only choices they know about. They don't know of anything else. Why? And because, because of the media. <laughs> well, that's Which, true. But still, that's all they know. So even when they think they're voting against the government that's in, like they vote against Liberal and they vote for one of the other two or three parties, they don't realize they're voting for the same thing. Why? Right? Because of the media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Absolutely. If the media, if only one of the big three television cha channels here in this country, CTV, CBC, and Global, if only one of them was fair and presented all the evidence about the uh, SARS-CoV-2, its origins, its effects of the virus, its effects of the vac so-called vaccinations, this would end. It would end. 
because that's for the majority of people, that's where they get their information. The majority of people are apolitical. They really don't do their own research like you and I and a lot of the other people out there or on social media. They rely solely, the majority of people, solely on what these people are telling them in the media. You know, and, I, I'm, mm -hmm. just when you said that they're apolitical, just something just flashed. I'm thinking, are we using the right word there or are they really nonpartisan but very political? I think partisan politics is about electoral politics, about voting for somebody or not, or voting against them. But being political is a day-in, day-in, day-out reality, whether people realize they're being political or not. Almost every other sentence out of their, out of their mouths in all these letters are purely political statements. Well, they are. However, when I say the word apolitical, what I'm trying to express here is the fact that they don't know what they're talking about. In other words, it's, no, well... Okay, that's, that's, that's acceptable. I, I see what you're saying there. Well, I like uh, the, I, I like the uh, old adage that um, individuals are smart. People are stupid. Oh, yeah. If you know what I mean. An individual oh, yeah. is, can be a really clever thing. You know, you can put a man on the moon or you can vote liberal. You know, hey, two different... It was, uh, always, it was always a key individual that advanced all of mankind while the billions of others were just... Nothing compared to that one individual who breaks the mold, right? Yeah. I mean, you just have to think about the man-on-the-streets interviews that you see on uh, some of the channels on YouTube, which are so embarrassing. Now, mind you, they're probably edited to um, reveal people in, in, in an ignorant light. But you can ask people celebrating the you know Independence Day down in the United States July 4th. What are we celebrating? Oh, it's July 4th. Oh, really? What's that about? I don't know. Well, it was the uh, independence of uh, the United States. Who did we fight for our independence? Uh, Spain? You know, that's, that's the level of knowledge people have regarding political things. For example, I think that if anybody was asked who the prime minister was, they may not be able to tell you in this country. Who was the leader of the opposition? They may not know. It's most likely they don't know. You know, who the premier well, of the I, province I forget is. his name all the time. <laughs> Aaron O'Toole, Bob, Aaron O'Toole. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that's, the, that's what I'm talking about, about apoliticals. They don't hold a political thought for any length of time in their head because, well, why not? Because people want to get on with their bloody lives. They hate politics. I hate politics. But I hate it in such a way that it's sort of a constructive hatred. I see what's happening to me and mine, and I try to do something to prevent that from happening. You know, and I'll go back to the last show that I was on with you and say to people out there, protests are okay, not, not a bad thing. You know, go for them as long as they're peaceful. But the only way out of any mess is to understand your problem and to get involved in the political party system. The door's open for you, but nobody's walking through. They yep. just really don't understand how easy it is. And I'm just hearkening back to that last episode I did with you, how easy it is to get involved in the democratic process that you're all so wonderfully glowing about all the time. Oh, well, this is a democracy. Oh, you know, we have a parliament to take. Yeah, but do you know anything about it? Do you, you see, know the, anything the thing. about it? Isn't that what they all think they're doing who are protesting right now? They think they're doing exactly what you suggested. And to some degree they are, if they follow through. Right? Actually, because you know, protesting... 
is, in my mind, not a hallmark of a free country. Yeah, you can do it, but that's not what um, a democracy or freedom is about in a political party system. A parliamentary democracy is what we have here in Canada, where parliament you know, is supreme. You, you made a good point, uh, and I never looked at it that way, Robert. That was haunting. The fact that we even have protests is a sign that we're no longer a free country. Yes, it, I mean, if you were like a free country, if, a... The, if the system worked, people would vote, right? And, and if everything was fair and everything was, and government was constituted to protect you, and you could elect your uh, administrators of your constitution, there would be no real need for protest because every four years you got a chance to change the system. But what we're seeing is that the system has become such a monolith, such a... Uh, uh, an impenetrable monolith, at least in people's minds, and they don't know how to change it, that what's left to them is to protest, right? When I'm telling you, people out there, friends, family, neighbors, it is simple. Take control of the political party process. If the door is open, take out membership in whatever party you like, express your viewpoints. When you put your ballot in the box come election day, that's the very last step in a very long process of what it means to live in a free democratic country. The first step is to speak your mind, join a party, influence a party, select candidates, say what you have to say, object, agree, whatever. But when you put your ballot in the ballot box, that's the last thing that you do. Not the first, the last. Yep. Don't know if I'd encourage them to join any other parties, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> other than a party that's for freedom. Uh, any, any last comment before we head out? Well, I, I do um, wish the truckers well. I think what they've done is fantastic. It has caught the attention of the world. It has been a kernel around which people have been uh, focused and galvanized and hopefully something can come of it of a more concrete nature. Don't expect it to happen overnight. What will happen is uh, Turdeau will come out of hiding once the, uh, the trucking protest has faded away, as it will inevitably do. He will come out of hiding and perhaps some premier some cracks in the uh, armor uh, will, will appear and they'll make it look like it was their decision to relax some of these measures. But they will never, ever tell you that it was because of a protest of what they are labeling as right-wingers. Yeah, I don't know if we can ever forget this. Breitbart News has reported that former President Donald Trump on Saturday praised the Freedom Convoy of Canadian truckers Protesting against Justin Trudeau's coronavirus health mandates, Trump said the truckers were doing more to defend freedom than some of America's elected officials. <laughs> the Canadian truckers, you've been reading about it, who are resisting bravely these lawless mandates, are doing more to defend American freedom than our own leaders by far, he said, speaking to a crowd in Conroe, Texas. He made it clear that he supports the convoy's movement, saying, and we want all those great Canadian truckers to know that we are with them all the way, end quote, as are we. And remember, this is just the beginning. 
if we can even say it's the beginning. The climate change narrative is charging up already, and the epistemological roar of changing definitions and destroying concepts will be amplified and it'll just be increased. So as always, those who want to work with definitions that are just right because they correspond to reality, well, they'll just have to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Mommy, you don't have to help me. I need to become an American. I'm finding America pretty oppressive these days. I think you're lucky to be a Canadian.